Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast, episode 35. My name is Yuri, and I'm joined by Keishi. Hey, Yuri. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm a little sleepy right now. I'll be honest. I'm a little sleepy and a little tired. We are recording this at uh, 8.48 p.m. Wednesday. We usually publish on Wednesdays. Yeah. So, so what happened? Uh, or I guess before we talk about that, should we boast about our drinks? Yeah. Well, I mean, how are you? I mean, so I'm sleepy and tired. How about you? I, I, I'm good. I'm not sleepy, even though I didn't take a 10-minute nap before recording. <laughs> nice. But um, but yeah, I'm good. Excited to be recording this finally. All right. Uh, all right. So what are you drinking? So, uh, as you know, I've had a caramel punch Pepsi in my refrigerator for the last, what has it been, four or five days since we delayed the recording a bit. So okay. I'm really excited to try this and see how it tastes. And earlier today, I, I was at, um, at Moss Burger. I'm sure you know the, the hamburger chain here. Mm-hmm. And they had an orange Pepsi, which was pretty good too, or orange Coke. It, it wasn't a random brand, but that was pretty good too. It actually had um, pieces of orange pulp inside. How about you? What are you drinking? I have a flavored tea, not flavored tea, fl- flavored water. My brain is going out right now. Flavored water. It's the uh, Sakura Rambo. Is that what it says? Sak- <laughs> yeah, Sakura Rambo. It's the uh, cherry. And so, it's, so it's cherry flavored water. That's cool. Did you try it yet? Not yet. It's closed. I've been saving it from yesterday. So, um, which one yeah. of those goes first? Go ahead. All right. Luckily, this won't explode on me like the last string did. I think in an episode or two ago. It's pretty subtle. It tastes good though. Nice. I'll try mine too. I don't remember what cherry is supposed to taste like, but <laughs> this definitely has some sort of berry taste to it. Yeah, this one really smells like caramel. To be honest, I'm not a big fan of caramel, but let's see. It's interesting. It tastes like, I guess, like Pepsi mixed with Dr. Pepper mm-hmm. with, a, with a caramel aftertaste. Oh, wow. How would you maybe rate I'm, it? Maybe I'm getting better at these reviews and, and at describing these things, if, if what I just said makes sense. <laughs> but by the way, you know how Gary Vee started out, right? Yeah, he had a wine channel. Yeah, he was reviewing wine. So, so we're reviewing Japanese soft drinks. Yeah. But yeah, I'd give it, let's say... Three, three and a half out of five stars. It's not bad, but I'm, but I'm not amazed by it. But that's probably just my preference. As I said, I'm not a big fan of caramel mm-hmm. overall. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll give my drink, say, 3.8, 3.9 out of five. Oh, wow. I, I didn't know we were doing decimals like that. I, I thought we were just doing half points. <laughs> oh, you know, it's your preference. Um, All right. It's that, not that, bad. That, it's I, I give mine 3.55, so they can, they can round it up to 3.6. Okay. So it's, uh, it's right in between, almost, no, just a little bit above. All right, so um, actually, guys, if you're listening to this episode, if you're wondering why we're recording this Wednesday night when we usually publish and I'm posting this stuff you know, on Wednesday night, well, it just so happened to be that I was moving on Sunday and Keishi, you were flying, right? Yeah, I was away on Monday and Tuesday and then um, you were moving on Sunday from from one room to the other, I guess, pretty much. <laughs> but I guess it still takes a lot of energy and time. Yeah, I mean, well, not one room to another, but I guess in, in Japanese terms, they call apartments rooms in a building. But yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, essentially, I was <laughs> moving across the hall. <laughs> so it's not exactly a move. But um, every time I move, even if it's across the hall, because long story short, I had a 
water leak come out of the ceiling back in October and they suggested I, I move into another room down the hall and in, into another apartment down the hall <laughs> while they do repairs. And that lasted for about three months and now I'm back in the old room. But don't quote me on this. I feel like every time you move, well, not that, more importantly, humans have a fundamental need for shelter. And every time you mess with that shelter, I think it kind of messes with you. So I've had trouble sleeping this past week. As of, you know, I've also had trouble sleeping when I moved into that other room. So <laughs> that's the situation. And right. here we are finally catching up on Wednesday night. So, so you're lacking sleep. You're, you're lacking um, energy. But, but, um, but I guess we're going to do our, our best with this, with this podcast. Yeah, we're going to do it anyway. And that's actually a topic, how to get work done, even if you're lazy, low on time low on energy, low on motivation, even if you don't care, and even if you don't feel like it. I mean, I always feel like it, but I also kind of want to take a nap. <laughs> but that's besides the point. And Keisha, I think this is a pretty important topic in, for any pursuit, any side hustle that anyone does, right? I think so, because I, I think fundamentally we are, we are all wired to just get whatever we need to get done and whatever somebody else essentially expects us to do at a job or something, and then essentially sit in front of the TV and, and relax. And I, and I think especially with side hustles, um, there's a need to kind of push yourself beyond that and to get things done even when you don't feel like it. And and I think a lot of the times, a lot of people don't feel like doing something, but it would be much better off doing those things anyway. Right? Yeah, exactly. And the human brain does look for the easy way out at times. And if it's your own goal, if it's your own side hustle, if it's not, for example, it's very easy to do stuff at work. You're much more motivated. But when it comes to your own goals, it's uh, it becomes a lot harder when it's much so much easier to just plop on a couch and watch Netflix or go and take a nap. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's like you don't even realize how things like this compound, right? It's like you tell yourself, oh, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow. And before you realize it's the end of the year and, and you haven't done anything. Yeah. So... Yeah, so, so I think what we're going to be talking about today is pretty important. All right. So let's get into it. How does one get work done even if they don't feel like it, Keishi? It's funny because I just said that you got to do it. But actually, the first thing that I noted down is simply don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it, it really depends on, on where you are, I guess, in your journey and, and what, your, what, what your projects are like and things like that. But I think oftentimes, if, if in, in that single moment, you don't feel like doing something, then the best way out is simply not to do it because if you don't feel like doing it and you're going to force yourself to do it, then you're probably going to be less efficient at doing it than, than you would when you kind of feel like doing it and when you're super excited about doing whatever it is. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the first thing is just rethink whether it needs to be done at all because a lot of the times we just want to do things for the sake of doing them. Like, I don't know, like website redesign when you don't need a website redesign or creating a new logo or or I don't know, sending an email to 100 people, but maybe it's not the right 100 people and, and things like that. It's like you want to do something just for the sake of doing it, but at the same time, sometimes it's better just not to do it or, mm. or it's, it, it doesn't move the needle, I guess, so to say. Mm. But, um, but even if you think about this and you actually realize that you need to be doing it, then, then think about whether you need to do it at that point in time or not. So if somebody's waiting for, for your piece of work tomorrow morning so that they can continue with their work, then, um, then of course, try to force yourself to do it. And we'll talk about how to do that in a second to an extent. But, um, but if you don't need to do it for the next week or two or whatever, just, I don't know, head, head out for a walk or, or do something else for a while. 
and try to return to it later. Because I feel like just sitting in front of computer, staring at blank screen or staring at your desktop or whatever it is, is not going to end well. Anyways, you're probably going to end up opening Twitter or something. Yeah. And, and two hours later, you realize you haven't done anything. So you might as well have gone for a walk or, or to the gym or something. Yeah, I, I think yeah. definitely you do have to stop and think, is this thing that I need to do important or not for your side hustle? Uh, ideally, the answer should always be yes. You should always approach things with that frame of mind. So when it, when it's not important, yeah, I don't think it, you know, you can definitely kind of slack off on that part if it's not crucial. But what if it is crucial? Yes. Yeah, so um, if, if it's crucial, as, as I said, um, if it's time sensitive, then we'll talk about a couple of strategies later on. If it's not time sensitive, then, then relax for a bit, um, take a nap, go for a walk and return back to it later, revisit it later. Mm-hmm. Um, or have somebody else do it if, if you're working with some other people that, that can help you with things. So um, I don't know, maybe you have a virtual assistant that's helping you with your business or with your side hustle. So um, try to have him or her do it. Or maybe it's some piece of content that you wanted to write. So instead of writing it yourself, maybe maybe get get um, get some other writer to write it for you. So um, I think that's always a solution. I don't think yeah. it's a, I, I don't know what to call it. I don't, I don't think it's an entry-level solution, but I think it's definitely a solution. I, I think uh, delegation is a great solution at times. Yeah, exactly. That's how you get work done without putting in much work. Yeah, exactly. But but um, again, I, I understand that, that for for many and in many situations, it's difficult, whether for whether for financial reasons or, or just because you don't have anybody at hand to do whatever you need to do and, and you don't have the time to hire somebody in order to get the yeah. work done on time. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that's kind of at, at the very first level of filtering or whatever you want to call it is... Um, Riffing if you need to do it, and if so, if somebody else can do it, and if not, then um, then let's talk about that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up is uh, preparation, right? Yeah. So I think um, whenever you feel like not doing the work, I think it's critical to to make it as easy to do as possible. It's kind of like when you try to build a habit. Then I think you were mentioning the example of putting your running shoes in front of the door, hmm. so that you feel like. So, so that you, it's kind of automatic that you go out the door, you wear the running shoes and you go running. Yeah. Or like when I was mentioning that I used to read every morning, I would just put the book on my desk, on my keyboard so that I would get into my, into my office in the morning and I would see the book first and it would be blocking the keyboard. So I would know that before touching the keyboard, I need to read for 30 minutes. Right. So, so I think making the work easier is good. Hmm. So um, breaking it down into really small steps. Yeah, or, or even before that, kind of preparing the environment. Here's a question. How, how do you do it for your side hustles, though? That's a good question. Um, I, I guess at the simplest level, it just every evening before, before I kind of um, log out for the day or, or finish working for the day, I just open a new page in my notebook and, and write tomorrow's date mm-hmm. and just write the four things that I need to do. And then as, as soon as I sit down the next morning, I kind of know what I need to start with. So... So it removes the mental barrier of trying to figure out what I need to do or tr- having to remember what I need to do and kind of clears my head and I can start every day with yeah with an empty slate. I also yeah I also um, write in my notebook and just be like how much how many articles or if I want to publish an article this week or what topics I want to pursue. I do I always make little to do lists nowadays and one thing on my end that makes well, things makes things easier is um I guess you can file it under preparation if. If we're talking about the final product is me publishing an article on my website, then the first step would be to write out a template for a freelancer and then that's it and just push it along. 
And as long once that is in motion, you know, the next step is they'll do it. They'll pass it back to me. I'll review it. I'll edit it. I'll add pictures and whatnot. I'll do the SEO stuff and then I'll publish it. But like it all starts with that first small step, pass it over to the freelancer, write up the task. Yeah. And, and I think you, you mentioned um, writing out the task there. Mm-hmm. And I think exactly like um, breaking things down into steps, I, I think helps a lot. Breaking things into small parts. Um, in case of articles, it's definitely making good outlines before trying to write the article, um, doing research before actually writing the article and stuff like that, kind of having a process. And same with, um, like, everybody hates doing accounting, right? Everybody hates bookkeeping. Yeah. And, and um, even though I like the result of bookkeeping and kind of having transparency into where I stand and um, what the sites made, what, what my consulting business made and, and things like that, um, I definitely don't really enjoy the bookkeeping part where I have to input the stuff and and um, but um, but I just have a I just have a checklist. It's like I don't know, maybe it's twenty checkboxes. It's like fill out sheet where I track my foreign currency income, so like affiliates and um, and ad revenue and things like that. Mm-hmm. Enter all my consulting invoices into the accounting system. Um, I don't know, send out those invoices. Download statement from PayPal. Download statement from. Arizona Bank, and and essentially it's like twenty steps listed out. Yeah, and I know that if I check them, and these are like super small, like trivial steps, right? Yeah, exactly. None of the steps takes probably longer than two or three minutes. But but then I know that if if I check off all the twenty boxes or however many boxes there are, I know that once I'm done, done checking all of those off, I'm essentially essentially done with the bookkeeping for the month. So it, so it's both good for for serving kind of as a guide as as a process for doing the thing. But it also kind of, I guess, in a way, not sure if gamifies is the, the right word because it's definitely not not fun at all. But um, it kind of gives you, yeah, it kind of gives you a sense of achievement cause as you check these boxes off and, and you're, you're like two out of 20, five out of 20, 10 out of 20, 19 out of 20, and then finally done. I think we have a, a product here, a checkbox workbook or something. <laughs> I mean, let me Let me shelf that in my brain for now. <laughs> Next up in terms of preparation, um, this is one thing that we do for the podcast, and I'm pretty sure you do it for your websites and I do it for mine, is keep a list of ideas for the future that you can act on. So when the time comes when you're lazy, you can't think of something, you're low on energy, blah, 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 you can always dip into that list of ideas and be like, all right, now you have something to do. Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely good. Um, that's definitely a good technique. And I think... Um, I think I think one thing that I wanted to mention before we even dove into all of this is that um, I think there's two different types of work, right? In general, there's mm-hmm. creative work and there's non-creative work. And um, with non-creative work, it's work. It's it's pretty easy because you just kind of essentially just have to force your, yourself to do it. And once you force yourself to do it, then the output is pretty simple. Again, it's mm-hmm. like the accounting checklist. It's like downloading a statement from a bank is, even though the Japanese banks have websites, like they've been made in 1990, but but it's still pretty easy. Shout outs to Mizuho. Yeah, and, and Rizona and, and all of them pretty much. But um, but um, with creative work, it's much more difficult, right? Because the, the output is, I don't know how to call subjective. it. Subjective? Sub- subjective, yeah. Th- there's no single outcome that you're aiming for. You essentially have to build something from from nothing into something or ideally from from some sort of structure that you already have mm. into a finished piece of work so so that's a much more difficult type of work and um yeah and, and for that type of work i think having a list of ideas or having um i guess you as a copywriter probably have a swipe file right yeah. with, with some ads that you've seen before and and um, essentially just avoiding starting from a completely clean slate 
Yeah. So that you have something to 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 uh, to grab onto. Yeah. I also have a list of um articles to post on some of my websites, and this was also based on your feedback. I remember you went through H Refs, yeah, SEO tool, and you sent me some sent sent some keywords my way, and I just added them onto the list. So you know, next time I couldn't think of something to do, like all right, let me get these done. So I think keeping a list of ideas for the future is a really good way to keep your side hustle rolling and your content or whatever it is that you're putting out, whether it's art, music, videos, t-shirts, wine review. <laughs> as long as you have a list, then you can kind of work your way through this list. And it takes out it takes out the thinking process. It takes out the vagueness of it. You know what to do next. It makes it crystal clear. Yeah. All right. So that was preparation, which was uh, break the work down into small steps or checklists. And two, keep a list of ideas for the future. Next up, we have uh, popular techniques for getting things done that apparently Keishi doesn't really like. Yeah. So, so I think, um, as you know, there's dozens and dozens of, um, of productivity bloggers and YouTubers and Twitter accounts and, and whatnot these days. right? And, um, and I think the two things that are probably the most often mentioned, and I don't know if it's often mentioned because everybody thinks it's so good or because one person started with it and then everybody started copying that person and that person got copied by another people and, and essentially just spread rather than kind of being being quote unquote discovered by by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one is the Pomodoro technique and the other one is time blocking. What's the Pomodoro technique? Yeah, so just to give you a brief overview of the two, um, the Pomodoro technique is essentially you set a 25 minute timer and once the timer's over, you take a five-minute break and then another 25-minute timer and then another break and then another timer and then another, I think, a longer break. Mm. So, so I think it depends on person how they, um, how they set up the, the durations. But essentially, it's work, break, work, break, work, break, work, longer break or, or something along those lines. Mm. And, um, and I think that the name comes from like the kitchen timer or something. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Um, and, and time blocking is essentially even for things like like I'm sure you use calendar for like meetings and events and things like that uh, or for, for, for things that are time. Not really. <laughs> I, I don't use calendar at all. But then again, I don't have many plans in this quarantine day and age. Okay. So, so anyways, whoever's doing meetings, chances are that they're using a calendar to say, I don't know, at 4 p.m. I have a meeting with client A. At mm. 5 p.m. I have a meeting with client B at, at I don't know. 10 p.m. I have a dinner with whoever. Um, but time blocking is essentially where you take that, but you also put um, put tasks that are not as necessarily time specific onto your calendar, right? So maybe mm-hmm. it'll say to- tomorrow from 10 to 11 a.m. I'll be writing this article, and any block of that time, like you would block the time off for a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so so th- those are the two techniques. Um, I don't. Have, have you tried any of those before? I- Thought I heard it under a different name. Uh, instead of time blocking, I think it was time boxing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly same thing. Yeah, same thing. Basically, where you just box out a you know thirty minute window and focus on only one task and nothing else in that thirty minute window. Actually, I sometimes do it, uh, not intentionally, but I I do try to focus on things like, for example, thirty minutes at a time. And not that I, you know, get up and walk walk around. I'll just switch over to another task. But I do I do try to block off a bit of time to work on things and then jump back. But I don't think I do it consciously. Like here I am doing time blocking. Yeah. But I think but I think yeah, like theoretically, it does sound like a good way 
to get things done. If you set aside 10 minutes, I'm like, all right, in, the, in these next 10 minutes, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Theoretically, that should have some value to it. Um, but I can't speak on that. It's I guess it's one of these things that's just how do you even measure this? Yeah, exactly. And and I can I can see how it works for somebody, and I'm sure it works for many people. But um, but yeah, for me personally, when it comes to the Pomodoro timer hmm. method, it's like I, I can't force myself to do something that I don't want to do for for 30 minutes, essentially, yeah. right? And and then if I feel like doing it, or if I um, if I don't feel like not doing it, then then I don't really need the timer because. I just I just do it for I don't know twenty minutes, forty minutes, or an hour, however long I feel like doing it, and then and then get back to it again when when it's time to to, to finish the I don't know article or to finish the uh, I don't know creating briefs or or whatever the task might be. I I just can't force myself to follow some structure that that I kind of artificially impose. I guess. Yeah, that's the thing. The artificial like structure of the time box that you should follow like 30 minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes that's the type of thing that like i can't really stick with because if i'm really into it then i'll go over and you know into an hour two hours i don't really keep a strict time limit around these things i but i can't imagine like you know just setting aside 10 minutes if you're low on energy if you if you don't feel like working but you need something to get something done i think doing your best in the next 10 minutes and trying to do what you can is probably a good approach yeah, I think it, it, it's probably a good approach. And yeah, and, and if you have limited time and you really got to do it or you really want to do it, I think it's good. And, and I, I think, again, I think my my viewpoint is slightly different because I guess more than a side hustler, I'm, it's it's kind of part of what I do regularly. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's slightly different because I do the, the quote unquote side hustle work and, and then watch the TV. So I think if, if you have a full-time job and, and then you have to do the side hustle, it's, it's much more difficult and, and these techniques might be helpful. Yeah. All right. So these are the popular techniques that Keishi doesn't really like. Next up, we have other techniques. So what falls under other? Um, the first thing that I have here is quantity over quality. And quantity over quality is exactly what it sounds like. When you're trying to get some stuff done, there's the perfectionist type of people that will sit and mull over a piece of work and wish that it was just right. But from the perspective, again, of getting things done, even if you don't feel like it, I think you should focus less on quality and more on quantity, meaning just put out some stuff and keep putting out stuff. And the simple reason why you should do that is uh, because you will find quality inside that quantity. Yeah. And, you know, for those of you, you know, for those of you that are like, wait, are you sure? But I really want it to be perfect. You know, there's a nice story here. Uh, I have a disclaimer first, though. If if, yeah. if your side hustle is being a heart surgeon or or something along those lines, then this advice might not be for you. Yeah, this does not apply to anyone that's uh, in really highly specialized and highly critical tasks. This is more so for people that are just pumping out blogs, art, videos, T-shirts, and anything that they're doing as a side hustle that's not really too important. So, so here's a here's this quick story about a ceramics class. Ready? Let's talk about it. All right. The ceramics teacher announced on opening day that he was dividing the class into two groups. All those on the left side of the studio, he said, would be graded solely on the quantity of work they produced. All those on the right, solely on its quality. His procedure was simple. On the final day of class, he would bring in his bathroom scales and weigh the work of the quantity group. 50 pounds of pots rated an A, 40 pounds a B, and so on. Those being graded on quality, however, needed to produce only one pot, but it had to be a perfect one to get an A. Come grading time, and a curious fact emerged. 
the works of highest quality were all produced by the group being graded for quantity. It seems that while the quantity group was busily churning out piles of work and learning from their mistakes, the quality group had sat theorizing about perfection and in the end had little more to show for their efforts than grandiose theories in a pile of dead clay. So that's the story. Yeah, I lo- love that. So long story short, for anyone who's fallen asleep to this, is a uh, ceramic class got separated into two groups, quality and quantity. The quantity group had to get an A. In order to get an A, they had to create 50 pots. And without, within those 50 pots, there were a ton of quality work, whereas the quality group had ended up sitting around thinking of the best thing to do, and they never got around to do it. Yeah, and I, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely what we're talking about in this point is good for getting work done. But I think also overall, when you're running a side hustle or running a business or something, it's easy to kind of become your own sensor, to become your own filter. Yeah. And I think more often than not, I think it's counterproductive and, and it actually hurts you than, than it helps you. It's like you start theorizing about um, about what um, what your readers want or what your clients want or, or what, what um, I don't know, your partners, your your suppliers want. And rather than actually going out and, and asking them and helping them figure it out, you kind of go through this own process of, yeah, I think they want this because A, B, and C, but it might be completely off. And and rather than kind of going through the discovery process with them, you just discard an idea by yourself, even though it might have been a completely viable idea and, yeah. and, a, and a good product or, or what. Yeah, I think that's a critical lesson for anyone to learn is that you will not ultimately be the judge of your work. It's the audience. It's your customer base. They will decide what they like. You can put out A and B and C, and you might think that A is incredible, but they will think that C is the most useful thing for them, and they will yeah. buy that. Yeah, exactly. And to, to, to bring it back to, to the point we're talking about here, which is how to get work done, I think the, the main point here is that when you try to go for quality rather than quantity, I just feel like you're spending so much energy on, on the filtering part and on the trying to figure out what's perfect part that you have little energy left for the actual production part. Mm. Whereas when, when you're kind of just dumping your own brain or, or whatever, just kind of going with the flow, then all of the energy that you otherwise would have spent on filtering goes into producing the, the piece of work that, that can later be edited or that can later be improved. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, between thinking about the perfect thing, which takes up energy and doing the thing, you should probably do the thing. Because if you invest too much energy into one thing, then you won't have energy for the other thing. And so I yeah, think that's how most perfectionists work. Exactly. And, and, and like, I, I think writing is a really good example of that. And, and I used to be really guilty of this. I, like when I would write an article for a magazine or something, mm-hmm. I would essentially be writing and editing what I'm writing at the same time. And I think that's like the worst thing that you can do looking back. I think essentially when you write your first draft, you just got to essentially dump your brain and dump your ideas in a semi-organized way, in a semi-legible English. And then I think a lot of the work is in the actual editing, but but you got to split them. And again, it kind of ties it back to break the work down into steps. Mm. It's like, don't try to do two things at, at once because writing and editing are two completely different processes, right? Yeah. What do you have uh, for the B-side hits that you have here in the notes? Uh, so, so this is just another thing for another example of, um, I guess, of, uh, of why you should put out more work and, and why you should try to find quality through quantity rather than to, to, to just try to figure out what's good quality and produce it right off the bat because that's pretty much impossible yeah. unless you're Chuck Norris or something. Um, and essentially what, what I had here about the B-side hits is that um, I guess back, back in the day when, uh, 
when people used to listen to music not on not on their iPads, not even on their CDs or, or MCs, but on on um, what do you call it on records. Mm-hmm. Um, each of the record had a had side A and side B, so the main side and then kind of the the flip side. And there would be the main song, the the big hit on side A, and then the side B would be an extra song that that the band produced that wasn't meant to be the hit, but that was just meant to be there essentially, as, I guess, just to fill out the space, mm-hmm. right? Because if you could put two songs on the on the on the record, then you wanted to put two, just one. Um, and and B side hits is like um, the tracks that the bands put on the other side of the of the record on the quote unquote less popular that they, that they thought wouldn't be hits. Um, there are songs that actually ended up being the hits or or even more popular than the A side songs. Mm. So like um, "We Will Rock You" by Queen is a B side to to "We Are the Champions" or one of their other songs. Um, and of course, they both were very popular. Yeah, um, "Unchained Melody." I think that's it, it's a soundtrack from Ghost, probably. Um, and the, 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 with the pottery scene. Um, maybe I don't know. I've never seen the movie, but I know. Okay. The and uh, but yeah, there's a B side song as well. Um, you can always get what you want by Rolling Stones. It's a B side song. And again, all these songs are from the I guess from the 70s, 80s, or whatever. Just because we're talking about records here and not CDs, so. Yeah. So that's why, but but yeah, and the the point here is that um, you really never know how something is going to resonate with your audience, and and you might have your hypothesis, but unless you until you put something out and actually confirm it with your audience, you will never know for sure, right? Yeah. So the second point on our list of other techniques, which is mine, is um, put out bad or good enough work, and anything is good for now. And what I mean by that is. For, for example, Keiji, our podcasts usually last between 40 and 50 or, you know, 50 minutes or an hour. I think if we only sat down to do just five minutes or 10 minutes today, I think that would have been good enough. Because in this, if, if the whole point here is to keep going and to maintain momentum and maintain the practice, then I think something is better than nothing. Even, you know, also going back to like language learning or working out five minutes, a quick five minute session, although probably won't dent, make a dent in your progress is still a very important step in the long run. The fact that you didn't skip and you put work in. Yeah, exactly. And I love that you said that um, maintaining momentum is, is important. And I think that's exactly what, what it's about. It's, um, it, it definitely is hard to get started with something and it's much easier to keep going. And whether it's walks, whether it's publishing content, whether it's producing podcasts, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. unfor- unfortunately it applies also for eating hamburgers and, and all the quote-unquote bad things but um but um like once you get yourself into a rhythm of let's say publishing every week or publishing every other day or something it's always kind of easier to force yourself to to publish something even if it's may- maybe usually you publish 2000 word articles and you really feel like not doing anything hmm. i feel like it's better to just create a draft write a 300 word article and and publish it and and then return to it just so that you you actually done it and, and you, you kept going, even though you kind of slowed down, but, but you still kept moving forward. Exactly. Rather than completely stopping. Yeah. So that's my, this is like my number one approach to getting stuff done, even when I'm low in energy or I don't feel like it. Um, either way, sit down, do at least something and put it out there. Of course, this point does not apply to critical tasks, to high expertise jobs, and anything that requires a lot of attention and a lot of risk on the line. This pretty much, I think, applies to creative work and side hustle work where 
it's much more important to start, keep going and maintain momentum. And I think another thing is, like you mentioned earlier, Keishi, even if it's bad, putting something out there, the moment you put it out there, it's no longer inside your head. And once it's out there, you have a third person perspective of it and you have a better idea of how to improve it, but that you will never know if you never put it out there. So I really like this rule. Again, this does not apply to heart surgery. This does not apply to a lot of uh, things in life, but I think in a creative pursuit and getting better at things and sticking with things and side hustles, I think it's a very important rule. And this is my favorite one. Exactly. Definitely doesn't apply to heart surgery. And I, and I think it also really depends on your business model. Like if your business model is to have 15 articles on your site that are perfect, then, then that's perfectly fine. And, and I know there's, there's a lot of businesses that work that way. But if your business model is about putting out content and getting audience and, and uh, making it as large as possible, as quickly as possible, um, then yeah, no, unless you do something really, really bad or stupid, nobody's going to remember it for your, for your misses. People are going to remember it for hits, right? Yeah. So, so why care about how many bad stuff you have out there if you put out enough good stuff? Exactly. But I think like someone in the business of putting out 15 perfect pieces of work per month probably already has a system and probably has been doing that work for quite a while to, to the point where they're able to churn out 15 perfect pieces of work. So I feel like that wouldn't apply to them. It would be more so for like, you know, side hustlers trying to keep it going when they just don't have the motivation to do things. Yeah. Or, or, or imagine, a, imagine somebody running like a niche site or authority site or something. And imagine one guy looking at 15 keywords thinking they're pretty good or good enough. And imagine one guy writing just five articles for the keywords he thinks is, are the best out of the 15 that, that were kind of good enough. Mm-hmm. And then imagine one writer publishing articles that are maybe not as good, that, but that are good enough and publishing them for 15 keywords. Like, like which one do you think is going to get more traffic? The guy with the 15 keywords has articles for all of them. I'm pretty sure about that because there's going to be some hits that, that the first guy would have missed. And then, and then the second guy, he can always go back and, I mean, it's easy to delete an article. If something mm-hmm. gets zero visitors for, for two years, then probably, yeah, it's, it's probably a piece of, of, um, of not good work, <laughs> child-friendly. And, uh, and yeah, you can just delete it, but nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to remember. So, so why not give it a shot? Exactly. Or you can improve it or you can repurpose it elsewhere, which I think kind of leads into another technique as to how to get work done is take a look at what you have already and recycle it or find a new angle for it. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think it, in, a, in a way it kind of ties back into um, what, we, what did we talk about? Um, Oh yeah, breaking work down into steps and, and small parts. And like I think you do I think you do this a lot with, with your sites where you kind of try one format of format of an article. Yeah. And then if it works, you essentially just say, let's say you have um, equipment you need for playing soccer. Hmm. Right. And it really catches on and you have a site about sports. So then maybe you start making articles about equipment you need to play lacrosse, equipment you need to play baseball. Yeah. Equipment you need to play uh, I don't know, water polo or something. And like once you have this template and this format to follow, it's so much easier to do the work because essentially you're turning creative work into not so creative work. Yeah. And it's much easier to force yourself to do not so creative work than it is to force yourself to do creative work. Exactly. So I think this is one of the easiest things to do. And it's also quite easy in email marketing. Um, Email marketing is a bit of a different beast than pumping out content, say on YouTube or music or blog articles because you can't really do duplicates 
but not even email marketing, also social media marketing. You can always repeat stuff like a year later yeah, or six months later. No one's going to really remember, but you still put something out and that still got you some sort of results. Yeah, exactly. That's what I always say. It's like you, I don't know, you write an article, you share it on your Facebook with one caption, right? Yeah. Like if you share it a week later with a slightly different caption, nobody's going to care because half the people didn't see the first post. Yeah. So, so, um, the second time you post it, chances are that the audiences won't completely overlap, which means you get some new audience. And also, it's like who, whoever saw the post the first time and they see it again, it's not like they're going to get angry, right? It's like they'll just ignore it. Exactly. So, so what's the downside to doing that? There, there's none, I think. Pretty much. Exactly. I, I try to do that with you know the Pinterest posts that I do. I try to do several variations per article, all with like a different angle on the article. But I imagine you can take the same concept and apply it elsewhere. You know, if it's a, for example, with art, if you have like a little guy stick figure, then you turn it into a girl, you change up the color or you, for example, if it's related to cities, then you use another city instead of New York. You know, it's, there's so many little ways that if you can adjust the thing while maintaining the original essence of it, then you have an extra piece of work right there. Yeah, exactly. And I think thinking about it, essentially, if you want to get make it easier for yourself to, to get work done when you don't feel like it. The best way to do it is to systemize it and automate it, right? And, 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 and that's what, what makes everything scalable in a way. Whether it's yeah. scalable, meaning you only have two hours to work and you get as much out of them as possible, or whether that means you try to hire five extra people and, and do more than you could do as, even as a full-time person in your side hustle. But, uh, but yeah, turning things into templates, turning things into, into formats that don't need much thinking, and uh, yeah, I, I think focusing more on things that inform and provide information rather than, than on things that are meant to be super creative because creativity is hard to scale and, and it's also hard to force. Yeah, to you said take the thinking out of it. I think that's the, probably a very crucial part. The more, you know, the more you kind of get bogged down in thought, the less likely you're going to do it because like, if you have to think about things, that's an extra layer of work to be done. And I speak, you know, for example, from I speak with experience from someone that both uh, gets briefs that I have to work on and someone that also writes up briefs for other people to work on. Yeah. It's much better when someone has already done the thinking for you and wrote out an outline and gave you all the information to work with because that takes a lot of thinking out of your hands and saves you some time so you can get to writing. But if someone just says, I want you to write about topic X, but... You know, it's like, it's such a vague approach to it. You have to think a lot. You you realize, all right, I need to come up with my own outline because the person never gave it to me. And it just adds a lot more work. Uh, And if you're in a side hustle, you know, the more work you kind of put on your hands, the less likely you're going to do it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and in writing, especially it's like outline is 80% of the work. Writing it out is just, it's like, it's like coloring book, right? It's like if somebody gave you a piece of paper and told you to draw an airplane, you'd probably have a pretty hard time or, or I'd have a hard time. But if somebody gave me a coloring book and said, hey, make this airplane look nice, mm. it, it would be pretty easy, right? Because you have all the structure that needs to be done and you just kind of got to fill in the blanks. Yeah. And I think it's the same with writing, same with outlines, same, same with podcasts and, and YouTube videos and whatever you do. It's like a lot of the work is in the preparation and structuring the, the piece of content. Yeah, which saves and, you thinking time for later. Yeah, and if, and if you can make that kind of um, repeatable or scalable, like we were talking about the equipment for soccer, equipment for lacrosse, equipment for water polo, 
sort of approach. Pickleball? Pickleball. The I don't know what that is. Sport in North America. Um, I don't even know what that is. I just heard it somewhere and thought it was funny. It's kind of like, I guess, a variation of it, hard paddles. I forgot what the ball is like. I think it was one of those hollow balls with, with a lot of holes in it. It almost sounds like ping pong with the hard paddles. Yeah, it is like a giant ping pong. While using a wiffle ball. From uh, there's wiffle ball is like a variation of baseball where instead of throwing that hard ball, it's like a <laughs> ball with you know holes inside. Yeah. So and just in case someone throws it at you, <laughs> you won't get too hurt. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what pickleball is. But anyways, yeah, that, that's a good approach. Again, you take out the thinking out of the process, and, and you turn it from creative job into manufacturing job. Yeah. So listeners, back to you, in whatever side hustle you're doing. Whatever creative work that you're doing, think about what kind of work you're putting out right now. And if you haven't done so yet, could you create an outline or a template for this work with specific steps? Step one, do this. Step two, do that. Or paragraph one has to be about this. Paragraph two has to be about that. Or image one, layer one in Photoshop has to be this. Layer two has to be that. Think about how you could create a template or an outline for your work so that you do thinking work right now to save yourself thinking work later. So think about how can you do that? Yeah, exactly. I think um, if anybody listens to the Smart Passive Income podcast by Pat Flynn, I think he always says work hard now so that you can reap the benefits later. So, so I guess this is an, an alteration of that, that something along the lines of think hard now so that, you can, so that you can get stuff done later when you don't feel like it. Exactly. Like right now. <laughs> so Keisha, any final words of wisdom for today? No, I think it summarized it well at, at the very end with the, with, with the putting in the thinking work up front so that, so that you're ready whenever you are not feeling like thinking. Doing yeah. All right. Listeners, this has been the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast, episode 35. If you want to start your own side hustle, visit the show notes, sidehustlesandstuff.com forward slash E35. Check out Bluehost. It's a place where you can buy your own website, put your workout into the world and get your side hustle running. And if you listen to this, if you like what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes. If you like what you heard and you want to apply it, again, check out the show notes. And if you're lazy, low on time, low on energy, low on motivation, then clearly this episode is for you. So we expect a lot of reviews here. This has been the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Recording now. I can't wait to have my caramel Coke. <laughs> well, it has, it has coffee in it, so uh, good luck. <laughs> Ready? Yep. All right. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> wait, am I saying that right? I, I guess so. Although I think it's it's more about not not really kind of dwelling on one thing and instead moving along. Yeah. Okay. That's why the second. Um, <clears throat> I, I wait. What did you say just earlier? Damn, you said something smart, but I forgot it. You mean systemizing things? Oh, no, no, no. All right. After that? Again, I got, I got it. Wait, Keishi, how, how should I say this? What can you, how can you, how do I phrase this? How can you take the thinking out of your side house? <laughs> Maybe not the best way to angle it. <laughs> how can you take out the... So, what, again, what's the point of thinking work? So, if the thinking work is creating the outline, right? Yeah, creating the outline. Whatever's creative. It's like... Yeah. It's essentially, you want to take something that's creative and turn it into something that's not creative. Yeah. So it's so it's um so if someone passed me an article. So 
you do thinking work right now to save yourself thinking work later when it's time to do the job. 